listening to episode 191 of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our look at the Netflix Showcase Canada co-production of Travelers, starring Eric McCormick and Mackenzie Porter. And one week ago, we were watching the snowfall. We already knew we had a day off, and here today it was, what, about 55, 57 degrees? (laughs) Tomorrow's supposed to be around 60. What a difference a week makes, right? Spring sports are underway first games tomorrow and hey again typical maryland weather yep other than my lacrosse team is going to finally get to practice so we'll get a a solid four practices in before our first games so uh that's fun. Yeah. Well, 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 speaking of fun, uh, you know, now, you know, of course, I don't think I've mentioned the listeners, my computer up in the studio has been acting up for the last few months, put in a hard drive. This is the first recording with the new hard drive. Hopefully that's going to cure what ailed it before. So we shall see, but here's my story for the night. My okay. real story. All right, let's hear it. All right. So, you know, we, we always have the TV on during dinner. So, uh, it's like I say to my wife, anything but news. So I go, you know, see what we've got on the DVR, see if anything recorded last night that would be light, that we wouldn't have to pay a lot of attention to. We're big fans of the show Billions. So while that recorded last night, we didn't want to watch it now. So I see on there, she recorded a show called The Arrangement. Now, I've never seen it. I've seen the previews for it. And it's on the E! channel. Mm-hmm which also airs the Kardashians. Right. So, need I say more? Yeah. Great. So I'm like, okay, well, we got nothing else. It's it's certainly light. I'll put it on. You know, we eat, we're eating dinner. Three minutes later, who goes across the screen? Lexa freaking Doig. Really? Yes. She's in everything. Well, so obviously you know what show I'm watching now. Uh, the, arrangement. the Arrangement, baby. Yeah, but you still won't. <laughs> Go back to Arrow. Uh, no, I won't. Well, nah, probably not. I'll tell you, the, the previews that I see each week of Arrow and, and the things that I read on the Facebook group, because I still, I'm still a member of the Facebook group uh-huh. for Golden Spiral Media's podcast, it just doesn't look good. I mean, you're still watching it, right? So I'm wrong? Um, not necessarily. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, you know, Era's first season was great. It's kind of, I, I think they've, it seems like they kind of ran out of story a little bit there. And so now they're just coming up with stuff and just sometimes it gets to be a little um, silly, I guess is the word. So, well, this is the fifth season, right? Uh, I think so. I mean, maybe it's- the fourth. Right? Oh, no, no. It's got it. I was going to say maybe the sixth. So it's at least the fifth. I mean, it's really difficult to sustain sure. that many seasons. And, and they do a full load of episodes. Yeah, which, again, you know, might kind of argue against the, the full 22, 24 you know, episode season. You know, get that down to a manageable 13 and you can, you know, I don't know. And- and maybe that's something they'll think about. Uh, I, I did notice the other day that Flash is still going strong. I, again, I, I jettisoned that as well. But uh, in terms of ratings, it, it's really it's you know really doing well. So one of the top CW shows still. Yeah, yeah, it, it, you know, Flash is is for the most part still good. And they've got like now kinds of like time travel scenarios and their stories and everything, which is, you know, I always like that. But, uh, but again, you know, both of them kind of 
tend to fall into melodrama once in a while, I guess would be the way to put it. Um, where you're just like, why, why would you do that? You know, that doesn't make any sense at all. Like, and, and people overreacting or uh, my favorite is when they're like, you know, Oliver says to Flessy, can I talk to you? And they take like three steps to the side. He starts talking to her like, well, the people you, you apparently want to like not hear your conversation are still just a couple steps away, dude, you know? And <laughs> so it's like, I don't know, silly soap opera stuff like that, I guess, but I'm still watching it. So, yeah, I mean, look, if it's enjoyable, it's enjoyable. So right. who am I to say? So, but speaking of who am I to say? Before we get too far, we want to remind you we'd love to hear what you have to say via email at sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com or at the website where you can leave a voicemail using the leave voicemail tab. You can also record your own audio clip and send the MP3 as an attachment or just tweet us at sci-fi TV rewatch. And then as always, we'd encourage you to consider joining the Facebook group and join the discussions there. So another strong travelers episode we get to talk about tonight. Uh, yeah. That's one so, way of putting it. Yeah. So, awesome might be another way. I, I, I know. And, and, and you know, the interesting thing, I'll get to it in a second when we talk about the writers, is that there are just so many newcomers that are associated with the show. So let, let's just jump into it. This is episode okay. six, yep. season one, Helios 685, written by Rebecca Hales. This is her first television credit. I mean, wow. she looks young. I saw her picture. I don't know how young she is, but she looks young. Uh, Direct. Stalker boy. Directed by Helen Shaver, who is a veteran director. Four episodes of Vikings, two of Orphan Black, three Person of Interest, three of Revolution, as well as a lot of other non-genre shows. Right. And, and then this one aired November 21st, 2016. So, well, we, we find out what the deal with Helios is. And right. So, like, that's... So like in Netflix, you know, um, like you hit play, like just like the next series, you know, like if you, you just like, you just, it says play episode 0106, whatever. Right. Okay. So you hit play. And then the first thing that comes up is travelers 0106, Helios 685. That's like, oh, nice. Like just when you saw the title, you're just like, ah, oh, this one's going to rock, you know, because we've been wondering about Helios for quite a while now. Right. They've, they've said yeah. it's like. They said it two or three times in the previous uh, uh, five episodes. So, so yeah, just the title itself got me kind of a little excited about this. Yeah, and I love anything with a number. So that was always cool. I well, not as many initial thoughts for me this week, but one which I guess in the big picture is certainly not all that important. But as we've learned more about Trevor, and and we learned that. It sounded like as if somebody, and again, was it hyperbole? I think not, that he's over 100 years old. And why is he able to comfortably call his mother mom, but insists on calling his father Gary? Yeah. Yeah. Well, because it's like, uh, I think it's clearly just a sign of respect on the one hand, disrespect on the other. Like but, he's, but, he despises his dad. It's not like just normal Oedipal complex despising. I mean, this is like as whoever he was before finds a person like Gary anathema. Okay. So you, you think he had issues with his father in the future? No, no. Mm-hmm. I think no? he, as whoever he was in the future, as a person, actually, you know, the person that he is looks at a person like Gary and says, this guy is a Neanderthal. Okay, but he he was like that almost from the start. So I, you know, it's almost as if he didn't have enough time to 
really learn what Gary was about. I mean, I would agree with you now that we've we've seen Gary for f- six episodes. Yeah. Well, has he called him Gary the whole time? I think so. I I could be wrong, but again, like I said, it's not that big a deal. I just found yeah. it interesting. Now we we see a group of travelers that I'm going to refer to them as the Jonestown group, and I, I'm sure you remember the the Jonestown. Well, uh, I don't like remember it as in like right. I was alive when it happened, but I know what yeah, it is. You, yeah, but you don't remember it. But, but you know, we see that group that they're ready to drink the Kool-Aid. Right, which again, that narrative device of the countdown, like we, we can piece it together before they even pull out the cups. Exactly. Right, right, right. Right. But what struck me in, in that scene and, and when we see them later on is their preoccupation, their fascination with animals and, and the two men disagreeing on whether what they saw was a dog or a bear. Right. Now, I don't Probably know about a dog, I'd say. Okay. Now, 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 our friend at work, Kelly, her dog, and I've, I've seen photos of her okay. dog. He, he borders on yes. the size of a bear. He's a very ursine dog. Yes, and he's very big. But when he says it was a beautiful living thing out in the world, and, and we've sort of talked about this the last few weeks about animals. I mean, have animals been extinct in the future? And if so, for how long? I mean, we know they don't eat meat right. because apparently there isn't any. Yeah. Yeah. So. Right. Well, Yeah. And and I mean, you know when Bloom comes back, she says, "You know, I'm from the future. I wouldn't recommend it." You know, so I, we know the the future is complete crap. Yeah, it's oh, horrible. It's just very it's bleak, a terrible, terrible place. Hence, I mean, these people are volunteering. They, they must know it's a suicide mission. I mean, that's I, I assume that's part of the reason why they put them in the older bodies, right? Well, Who, you know, go ahead. No, I'm just saying that, you know, they're not, they're definitely not here for any kind of long-term assignment. Right. You know, and I thought the exact same thing the f- the first time I watched it. And even after, while I was watching it a second time, and then, you know, as I thought about the episode the last couple of days, I started wondering whether it was just coincidence that they were all older, but rather they were chosen because it was a large group. Right, and they and they needed a lot of people that would be together, and it was just easier logistically. Well, I'm just saying the writers could have made it a bunch of young people in in some cult going to kill themselves, right? Well, yeah, but w- would that have made their deaths more difficult to accept or or easier? Well, no, I, I think it's I think just so you you understand right from the beginning that they're they're here for a short term mission. Right, because you know, that's like one of the first things I thought is like, oh, they're in the bodies of old people. Like, oh, I guess they're they're not going to be around very. You know, they're they're here for something that quite possibly is going to cause them or where they're required to sacrifice themselves. I'm not them saying old people don't deserve to live. I'm not saying that. Oh, oh you know, I'm I just know saying that that you know if that, that clearly they weren't brought on for any kind of long term planning here. Right, sure, exactly. Now, talk about contingency plans when, when when we get to that part of the story when they want to activate the laser. You know, well, we'll Did just you hold do air quotes. 
Uh, I did air quotes. <laughs> now, now the other thing, and I just again, the white van that McLaren's team uses to get away at the end. Did yeah. you notice what was on the side of it? Uh, I don't think I did. Futura. Oh wow! Okay, <laughs> nice. Probably yeah. just meaningless, but they probably just threw it in there. Look, yeah. they knew the show showrunners. They knew people would notice that. So, right. Anyway, right. all right. Well, episode opening scene. We're at the end of a dock, and and this is where we see a, a group of about a dozen and a half elderly people, and and the preachers getting set to embark. What we just said a minute ago seems to be another Jonestown massacre. Uh, of course, much smaller uh, scale. Though. Yeah, much smaller scale. And and as you said, we start to see the time traveler digital clock on the screen. So we you know we know what's going to happen. We do find out that they all make it, and that's something we learned last week, that there are certainly misfires that occur, and with a group of, I think, about 18, while it's not on the scale of Jonestown, as far as travelers go, this is the biggest group that we've seen, mm-hmm. but everybody makes it. And then, did you notice the leader, he, he goes up to that trash can, yeah. and there's a bag hidden in there? Yeah. So, I guess one of the other teams- Yeah. Left that well, for them. I, well, I we, we've seen that with you know with Grant's team is that you know they have stuff they have to deliver to other stuff and they don't question why they just put it where they're told to put it. You know, right? And we don't really know what's you know what it's for, what's in it. Right. But then we do see the truck driver from the explosion. I guess that was like two episodes back, and he's woken from his coma. I think it's more than that, isn't it? Like, oh, it could be. Yeah, it, it could, might be it like be. the second episode, but but yeah. So he's like, "How am I still alive?" I'm like, "You know what? That's an excellent question, <laughs> right?" And, and how did you possibly survive that explosion, right? And the both of them, you know, his, his commanding officer, they're trying to figure out exactly what happened. And part of the problem is the guy doesn't really know. You know, he he mentions that you know, hey, some girl just got in the road, and I tried to get in touch with you, but you know. But here we are. Yeah. He's like, well, you saw because you're right behind me. You know, Gleason's all like, oh, yeah, yeah, totally. I was right behind you, buddy. Sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, now, one of the things I love about this next scene, and it's the one with McLaren at home, and he's watching as his wife, Kat, is refinishing that classic chair that somebody had abused. And, and, and look, one of the things we've learned about him is that, that you know, he has no idea about a lot of the terminology, but he's also smart enough to think quickly on his feet and then his assessment of what she does really touches her when he, you know, he says you take things that others have neglected and give them life again. And and as you've said the last several weeks, you know, at some point, yeah. and, 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 you know, we talk a lot about shipping in shows, but here it's almost, it's gotten to the point where it's really necessary, I think for the believability of the show. Yeah. Well, he's listen. It's all about uh, Protocol Five, man. Well, it is, and, and uh, you know he he is not doing his business to keep Protocol Five going here, right? Which then goes back to what we've also said w- with the relationship that he and Carly have. How difficult is that going to make it for him? Because look, we know sooner or later he has to have sex with his wife. I mean, he just has to. So what's that going to do to the relationship with Carly? Uh, By extension, what's it going to do to the functionality of the team? I I mean, I think they're really setting us up for some interesting 
plot possibilities. Well, this is why you don't sleep with coworkers, right? Well, of course. But exactly, because his, his attachment to Carly is preventing him from doing what his job here. I know it might sound like I'm like over eager for him to have sex with his wife. I'm just saying that for him to 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 keep up McLaren's life, I, that's he's got to do McLaren's wife. Well, I agree, and I think yeah. it's more than just you saying you want him to do. I mean, I think for like I said, for the believability of the story, it's just something that has to happen because right. it's not as if these people, this couple seems to have had a distant relationship i mean it does seem as if they were close that you know like married couples you know maybe you know they were out of sync for a little bit but they certainly seem to love each other get along and she's understanding of the long hours he keeps in his job so, so she seems like she's getting less understanding about it though yes she does that's what i'm saying so something's got to give but i i love see i love stuff like this that what she mentions about his traveler's coffee mug yeah He's like, what? <laughs> yeah. He's a little then, jumpy. You know, like like he's very suspicious right away. Right. And I don't think we actually see the mug, but I'm assuming it's like Traveler's Insurance Company product placement. Like a Traveler's mug that you, you know, put coffee in the morning to take to work, right? Oh, okay. Do they call them that? Uh, maybe. Maybe they do in Canada. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we talked at the beginning of the podcast about you know, our excitement at finding out that we were finally get to find out what's the deal with Helios. So we learned that Helios is an asteroid and they need to stop it from hitting the earth and preventing, you know, this future that, that is so bleak and has caused them to come back in time. So the team's assembled. The mission involves preventing obviously Helios from hitting earth. Although we get the idea that it's, it's not going to totally destroy earth. So whether it's a glancing blow and it just knocks out, you know, no, well, or, she said it landed in the Atlantic ocean. Oh, you're right. That's right. And that it uh, flooded the whole Eastern seaboard. Oh, that's right. That's water. right. So no, it didn't destroy the earth, but you know, every, it, it seems like all the terrible things that happened uh, after it, or you know, where the Earth, they they think that this is like the prime thing, the mover that occurred. The prime, I shouldn't say prime mover, the 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 original event that caused all the bad things later to happen. Right, that's right, and and I guess we'll find out as the season progresses, you know, maybe what some of those environmental effects actually were. I mean, obviously, as you mentioned, the flooding is certainly in and of itself probably enough, but you know, whether it's like in uh, Van Helsing where it's a volcanic eruption that, you know, sends out, you know, a cloud that, that virtually blocks out the sun. So, so I guess we'll find out, but. Right. But this is the thing is like, so most apocalyptic, shows or movies or whatever there is a specific event something happened and then it completely changed the world like that thing but in travelers it doesn't like even though helios was kind of like the first thing that happened they said you know all the wars and all the, you know so it seems like there's all kinds of other things that happen which you know makes their job more difficult because well yeah we stopped helios but we're still here so i guess maybe Helios maybe wasn't the 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 thing that caused everything bad to happen. That maybe it contributed, but 
right? The future is still bad even after they well, actually we don't know that, but they're they're still there, so we assume that means the future's still bad, right? Well, does it become a, a case where it's a war for the resources that are left after Helios hits? You know what I mean? Right. Because uh, and so that's kind of the way I took it. Now, but, like but if, if they didn't change anything with Helios, then maybe Helios wasn't that big of an impact in the first place. You know. Well, the the one thing that we do. Did you hear what I said? I said uh, Helios wasn't that big of an impact. Ah, uh, nice. You like that? I I did miss it the first time, <laughs> but. You know, they're learning that every little thing that they change can have significant impact. And while giving the antimatter back to Dr. Delaney has changed the mission slightly, you know, they're having to make adjustments on the fly. And that's really, I guess, not the plan when they came from the future. But again, they're they're having to adjust to some of these things on the fly. And then Trevor, and this surprised me a little bit, uh, he asks the team if he can lead them. I don't know what he calls it, but it's basically their version of a prayer. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like a prayer. It's very, it's, it's like an oath and a prayer together. I, I, I wasn't, I couldn't quite decide which I thought it was. So, yeah. We, the last unbroken remnants, vow to undo the errors of our ascendants to make the earth whole the lost, unlost, at peril of our own birth. And those last six words, at peril of our own birth, I guess, goes back to the whole grandfather paradox, right? Yes, so right. that, uh, you know, will they will they literally disappear? I mean, again, that's the beauty of time travel, or certainly one of the beauties is that the creator makes his or her own rules, and you just have to stay consistent with those rules. Right. So it was that great scene in Continuum where, you know, Kellogg's grandmother gets killed, and he just looks at his arm, you know, like he's expecting to see himself disappear any moment now. Right. But he doesn't. And, and, and uh, I, I forget it was Roger Cross's character. I'm blanking on his character's name in the show. But but he was there watching it, and, and as if he expected it as well. Yeah, which was kind of cool. But, you know, I, I think you were kind of alluding to uh, the older people, that, that the older traveler team that shows up. But I think we always suspected that this was a one-way mission and that the team would not be returning to its own time. But, you know, now with this revelation, I mean, are we to infer that they believe the back-to-the-future model of time travel rules are in play? I mean, I mean, I guess that's kind of what they're saying by those last words at the peril of our own birth. Yeah, well, it's, you know, it's, again, it's all theoretical because they don't know for sure what can, what what happens, you know, if they're successful, if we change the future, what happens? Because honestly, how many myriad of ways have they already changed the future just by existing? Sure. You know, just by being there, you know, it's almost like, it's not a certainty, because even when uh, Grant is talking about it later, it's it's a possibility that we might just suddenly not exist any longer, but we don't know. Well, yeah, and you know, you and I were talking about. I mean, we didn't get in this much detail today, but that that we're big fans of the AMC show Humans, and, and certainly they they talk a little bit about consciousness transfer in that show, and, and obviously that's an issue in Travelers. But since these are the consciousnesses 
if that's a word, of the individuals from the future. I mean, the grandfather paradox would seem to be invalid, but but who knows? And then, again, I think as you brought up last podcast, what of their bodies in the future? Are they just in a state of stasis being kept alive right. with, with uh, wires and hoses? I'm guessing probably. But why would they need them? They can't go back, right? Well, it would seem... That, that there is no return trip available. Because someone so, has said, I think earlier, someone said when the, the host dies, the traveler dies. Right. So, 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 I don't but, think, so like, me, are you affected by the, the, the grandfather effect if you're not even in your body? Because your body right. could cease to exist in the future, but your consciousness is, it's just, it's too much. There's no point right. in even talking about it. It's just. Well, well right. And, and I'm still holding out that something is going to happen that the the host body's consciousness is going to start to try to work its way into some sort of an awareness and and then it becomes an issue where you've got two consciousness is <laughs> where you've got two consciousnesses in the same body at the same time and I don't know. Now they might say, "Well, that's not possible," but I don't know. I guess we'll find out. Yeah, a show with time travel. You're going to point to that and say that's not possible. <laughs> like if you're looking at this thing as what's actually possible and not, then you're you're watching the wrong show. System. Yeah, good point. <laughs> All right. Well, we see both teams, McLaren's five, and then the Jonestown group inoculate themselves against something. He texts Delaney that he's coming to meet her, but Major Asshat's minions have come to take her first. Now, we obviously learn that they're inoculating themselves against that poisonous gas that they're using as, I guess, essentially a cover story, right? Right. Yep. Well, to keep people away. Right. But again, you see that Jonestown group marveling at the trees and the wildlife. And again, what, what... kind of future have they left behind but as they're driving to delaney's carly mentions not expecting to care about her baby and then asks mclaren if he'll miss his wife and then he tells her to stay in the present but i mean does that mean 2016 or the future present or because uh, she's thinking she didn't expect it she didn't expect to be so attached to this baby that's not hers you know, it's her conscious being or whatever. Right. Um, and so, but she is. So naturally she turns to Grant is like, so, you know, are you have like feelings for a cat, right? Yeah. Like if I am have basic emotions connection with this child, then certainly uh, uh, your, your, the former host's emotions towards his, um, his wife must still be in there as well. Right. But so she's getting all jealous basically. Well, and and you can't blame her, but they expect to die in this explosion. Don't they? um, I mean, it's a very real possibility. I mean, that's it. So so I guess they were kind of almost saying their goodbyes to a certain extent, but you know, aside from his personal life with his wife, she's also, and, and they're, relationship is starting to get into the way of his professional life as well because he does use her as an excuse a number of times for why he has to leave he's got to take her to the doctor or whatever yeah 
So, all right. Now, our next arriving traveler is another older woman who's about to engage in an assisted suicide. And then <laughs> I love the nurse comes in. Oh, I've changed my mind. mind. <laughs> and just gets up and walks out. Yeah. And, yeah. and I guess I can't really stop you, you know? No. Well, you signed the papers. You're <laughs> well, she didn't sign them yet, though. No, I know. I know. But uh, Do you think had she signed them, they'd be like, ah, sorry. <laughs> sign the paper. I uh, know. Got to go. All right, so McLaren's team arrives at Delaney's facility, and in conjunction with another team, they they gain entrance while mentioning the backup, which turns out to be the Jonestown group, that they've been delayed at the border. Delaney's not there. You know, well, things plus seem to they have to keep stopping so the one guy can piss, right? Right. Then that, I guess they don't have you know the correct visas. But this is when we learn they're going to release that airborne toxin that will blow towards the city, which, as we said, it will get the city leaders to evacuate the city because they don't want to kill more people than they need to. But again, one of the things that's come out is that they know some people have to die for the greater good. Right. And, and, and it's something that they wrestle with on a weekly basis here. Yeah. And, and we've talked about this before, like the, the hero's choice, right? Like, yeah. do you do what is good will will save your friends and your loved ones or you do the thing that's going to save the the whole planet right so right. it's not always an easy choice but you know in the end they know what they've got to do sure now at this point we still don't know what the plan is exactly but it turns out delaney's put a biometric lock on the device they need and then i like the older woman uh bloom who says at one point well we don't really need her we just need her eye yeah and we yeah, know she means point. it. Right, right. Sounds like a, you know, mafia movie. Sure. Now, meanwhile, while all this is taking place, we know that Delaney's being interrogated by Major Asshat, who thinks he's, uh, that, that she sold the antimatter to the Russians or the North Koreans. And, and I love her attitude in this scene because, now, granted, we know what the truth is, and he only thinks he knows, but, but as she says, do, you know, do you really think? that I would do that right. and, and just, and you really realize what a dope this guy actually is. Right. Which is the problem with satire is because dopes don't get it. And they think you mean, you really mean what you're saying. Right. So, right. Yeah. Right. So her, now, her, her attitude is, uh, doesn't really make any kind of uh, headway with uh, Gleason there. No. Oh, that's right. That's what his name is. Yeah, I wasn't sure if you just didn't know what his name was because he is an asshat. So, yeah, yeah. Like it's a fair enough to call him that. All right. Well, it turns out that Bloom is an engineer and apparently knows Trevor yeah. because they greet each other pretty warmly. And, and then uh, and, and, she calls him a, a young man, too. Well, that's true. So you don't know when they left. And again, that's another point of discussion are these teams leaving from different points in time we we don't necessarily know that right but she tells him you do know that you guys are already famous where i just came from yeah, but not and i'm not way. sure exactly what she means well it seems like she means they're famous for not like good things like for for messing up or something maybe okay because if they're famous for actually deflecting the asteroid and, and saving the future i mean what what 
ends up happening. You know, it's like that's that's what's so fascinating how they're going to tell this story, assuming they're successful. Because again, in this episode, we're not really sure if they're successful. Yeah. By the end of the episode, yeah, because it's... it doesn't go exactly as planned. Right. All of this is, of course, after Marcy tells her that it's an honor to meet, you know, her meaning Bloom says, if this works, we're done. Bloom tells him, if this works, we save tens of millions of lives. I would have thought they'd save more, but maybe not. Yeah. But uh, Bloom also implies that it wasn't the director that abducted his team, even though she seems to also imply she knows who did it. Well, yeah, she does because she's from the future, right? Right, right. That's what she says. I'm from the future. Of course I know. Yeah. Not going to tell you, but. Right. But, But then, you know, she talks about, you know, what's going on if we successfully deflect Helios? We alter the course of humanity so profoundly, it's highly probable that the time we come from, everything between then and now, the plagues, the shortages, the wars, none of that will happen, which means it's also high, highly probable that neither will we. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily that they won't be born. It's just that there's a good chance that circumstances will change so drastically. Right. That well, are they a plague baby? Are they a war baby? Or are they a shortage baby? That's exactly that's the question, right? Yep. So, all right. The helicopter arrives, lowers a laser onto the roof, and the plan now becomes a bit clearer that the antimatter is going to trigger this laser, which is going to be aimed at the asteroid. Are you still making air quotes when you say laser? I'm actually not, but I'm like waving my arms all through, (laughs) you know, because nobody can see me. Thus preventing the future from which they've come. And and it's funny because I ran across an article today. I I can't even remember what how it turned out, but that we are keeping our eye on asteroids that are in the Earth's vicinity and that we do have the technology to do something about it if you know one starts coming our way and, and that something that happened that that wiped out the dinosaurs is not likely to happen anymore that that we do have the wherewithal to prevent that oh that sounds like something they'd tell you just so you don't worry about it well good point you do anyway right yeah well at this point they still can't get into the antimatter system because of delaney's lock and then uh, i you know it's funny we we've talked about david and and i don't think either of us is too fond of david and there was a thread on the the Traveler's Reddit site that somebody started the thread about how he or she hates David, and then about 30 people came to David's rescue. And I'm oh, thinking like, God, are we watching the same show? Yeah. Well, all right, so David does show, every now and then he, he kind of shows something, but just not, you know, like, and, and, and in his defense here, you know, Marcy with like calling him and everything, like she totally acts like, you know, they're romantically involved, right? Well, what about this goodbye voicemail? Yeah, that's like, what I'm saying, right? In another time or another life. Yeah. See, that's now again, as I've said many times, she is still her caseworker, right? And that she could leave messages like that till the cows come home. It shouldn't make a lick of difference for him. He should have nothing to do with her romantically or even think of her or or anything like that. And, you know, as it is, just everything about their relationship is really inappropriate. Well, yeah, well, yeah but is it really? I mean, see, at this yes. point, I'm thinking, yeah, but, yeah, but he look, he knows this is not 
the woman that he was caseworker to. I mean, that that whether she was putting that on. I mean, clearly he knows she's working with the FBI. I mean, I mean, I'm assuming at this point he thinks she's a spy of some sort, right. yeah. which which throws that all out the window. But the all of that said, her leaving these goodbye voicemails. Now, maybe she thinks she's going to die, as we said, that the possibility is real and that she doesn't expect to see him again. Since we know she lives in another time or another life, I mean, it's not like you're not giving this guy some hope. <laughs> so you yeah. better be prepared, Marcy. Right, right. And again, who knows? I mean, maybe she's you know, been relatively guarded in her overt feelings for him because uh, uh, the mission comes first. You know, who knows? Maybe she really does like the guy and, and you know, maybe we will see something. Well, with, it, it with seems them. like she does, right? Right. And look, at some point, and, and you know, you've mentioned this uh, again a number of times during the podcast, David, I'm from the future. I'm a time traveler. Okay. Don't want to tell me the truth. That's fine. (laughs) So at some point though, look, she gave him the the piece of information about the plane that was going to crash. Right. You know, Phillips got all this information about sporting events. And uh, so I don't know. I I think at some point he is going to be brought into the fold. Well, they brought Delaney in, right? They did bring Delaney in, but, but because of her background. Yeah. She's like, th- she, yeah, she, she accepts it like kind of like right away. Right. As a, as a scientific possibility. I'll, yeah. I'll, okay. I was just saying, if I were in her shoes and they told me that, I'd be like, shut up. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. Like, what a bunch of shit. Is it, seriously, that's what you're going to, that's the story you're going with? Come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, now, again, we've talked many times about how great we think Eric McCormick is in this role. Yes. And, and this is one of my favorite scenes in this episode, using his best indignant FBI agent. What are you doing mucking up my investigation protocol? You know, when, when he tries to uh, free Delaney uh, from, uh, God, uh, see, now it's like Major Asshat. What the heck is his name again? Gleason. Gleason. <laughs> right. And, and get her back to Van Hughes and just uh, as the bus arrives. But Gleason's... I mean, while on the one hand he does some dumb things, he makes some some kind of illogical assumptions. He's not totally dumb because he realizes he's been played once he remembers McLaren as one of the cleanup crew at the facility. Yeah, it's like kind of like how did he remember that? You know, I know, I know, I know. Well, that's okay. Hey, so, that guy looks like the cleanup guy from the before. Yeah, nah, right, nah. right. But then we get to the scene, you know, where. where so whether it was deliberately arranged that these people that would just be literally sacrificing themselves, so that whether it's you know, deliberate that they they got older people because again they were at the end of their lives rather than and again just like you said it's not that they older people don't have value of course they do it's just that they're closer to the end of their life than than say a younger person would be, or whether it was just simply that it was convenient because they were all on the same bus together. The, my problem with this scene is the whole refusal to shoot to kill. I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to have an issue with that. Well, well, do you disagree? Well, you know, they got, uh, uh, mission-wise, it seems ridiculous, especially when, 
I mean, they're dead anyway, right? It's the future of freaking mankind. Right, but I'm saying, I mean, th- these guys are dead anyway. Well, sure. Like the soldiers, they historically, they died in the blast. Right. So they're fair game. It, it, certainly the director had no problem taking their lives later. Right. Right. So, yeah, I, yeah, you're right. Why, why not give them the ability to use deadly force so that you can actually pull off the mission? Because the mission almost didn't happen. Right. Now, I'm not sure whether that's worse or Gleason suddenly, huh, they're missing all of us. Maybe they're doing it on purpose. Let me stand out in the middle of the yeah. opening and see what happens. Yeah, well, that's one yeah. way to find out. <laughs> that's one way to find out. And, of course, he's correct. You know, that whole idea of protocol three, don't take a life, don't save a life unless otherwise directed. But I don't know. And I guess we'll just have to disagree with the director on this one or whoever's decision it was, but uh, right. the bl- bloodbath begins. So. Yeah. Bloodbath is a good way to uh, describe it. Yep. But Bloom tells McLaren to take Delaney to safety because the blast radius is going to be significant. You know, then, then we get to the final showdown and this goes back to w- one of my initial thoughts about talk about contingency plans because Bloom is alone smoking a joint, waiting to turn the key to activate the antimatter laser as Gleason's team breaks in. Now, she's got to know what's going on out there. Right. Okay, fine. Smoke the joint. But let's at least have your hand on the key. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, part of it was a uh, giving the team enough time to get away from the uh, the blast. Well, I, I get that. And B, because you know, Grant says, yeah, I, I'm not going to leave. I want to make sure the mission goes. She's like, the director will take care of it, right? Or it'll be in the hands of the director. Uh, which when she first says that, I don't know what that means. But then by the end of the, of the episode, well, okay, now I know what that means. So her faith is, well, okay, they maybe they shoot me. Maybe I'm not the one who turns the key. Director will get it done. Okay. Yeah. You know? So but, I guess that might be her slightly laissez-faire kind of. Let's not. They always say that in football. It's wrong. Uh, her her kind of carefree attitude um, towards the uh, the key. Yeah, I, and we're thinking, are you kidding me? You know, so so she gets shot, but then a traveler arrives in the body of one of his men, and then he shoots him, and then another, and he shoots him, and then we realize it's only Gleason left. And I thought this was pretty good, that he immediately realizes what's going on. So he goes to kill himself, but he's out of bullets. Right. Which I thought was pretty cool. So this brings me back to a question I had the other day when we were talking about this at lunch, is this. Like, why wouldn't the director just have put someone in the Gleason right away? Sure. Instead of having it come down to the wire like that, you know? Like, if he ha- puts a traveler in Gleason, and Gleason says, hold up, let me go see what this thing is. Click, turn the key, done. Right? Yeah, sure. Uh, I, I, obviously, dramatically, it's much better how they did it. I mean, I mean, I get, like, pra- from a practical standpoint, you know, you think the director would just put someone in the Gleason right away. But from a narrative, dramatic standpoint, it's way better when you have him start shooting his own men and then try to kill himself 
and then before he's eventually taken over and he does the job. Yeah, no, I agree. And it, it's one of the reasons that I, I, I'm going to go with an A minus on this episode. I mean, there, there are just too many things like that in this episode that I just can't go full on A that I understand, like you said, for, for the dramatic effect. And we've talked many times about 42 minutes. They've got to make some decisions. But, but I don't know that these are those kinds of decisions. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm giving it a full A. It was just such a tight episode. It was just really, uh, I, I like, I, I think I tend to like the ones that just have like that single uh, narrative thread rather than multiple stories being told at the same time. It's just the one story front to back, you know, like by the time, again, one of those where it's done and you're like, is, is it really, is it done already? Yeah, you no, I agree with you. you. Um, so I, don't know. I just thought it was great. I'll give it a, a an A. Straight up A. Okay. Well, finally, like you said, Gleason's the only one left. He turns the key, and then from a distance, McLaren's team sees the explosion, and they wonder whether or not it works. Yeah. And he's and he thinks perhaps not because we're still here. So now we're left at the end of this episode. Uh, in fact, did it work? And we don't know. So yeah, I, I guess we we got to wait till see episode seven, which obviously we will take a look at for next week but uh right, yeah just a director leave, leave him a note hey guys future's totally different we're sitting here on sandy beach thank you yeah <laughs> but uh drinking cow's milk and eating steak so yeah again you wonder how many little pieces of information they're going to give us as as we go you know we've reached the halfway point in, in season one uh, you know we're at six of 12 uh, look you can't ask for a better trajectory than the writers have given us to this point. Yeah, yeah, no question. Um, but they do have some work to do, right? There are some plot, I don't want to call them plot holes, but but plot details that that have to be addressed. And, and you know, again, we'll, we'll see as we move forward. But I'm going to go A minus, you're going to go A. And yeah. I think either way, I think we both agree, a really strong episode once again. Yeah, it was awesome. Like two really good ones in a row. So yeah, well, even more than that. But yeah, right. But I mean, like the last two have been like super. Like they really turned it up. Yeah. Uh, recently, but you know, it's like the more I think about, it, the more it's just like, like the director. It like just fascinates me. Like what, who, or what is this director? Now, first of all, I want to address that. I think the director is going to be a female, or that the director is a female. Correct. Because just by referring to her, I'm going to start saying as the director rather than saying Mr. Director or something like that, they're obviously leaving it uh, open, which means that because, you know, based on our stereotypical societal uh, stereotypes, we would think the director must be a male, right? Okay. okay. So I think they're going to zag on this one and the director is going to be a female. Not that that's a big plot point. I'm just saying. Okay. Now, now I binged season one, as we've said that, that I've seen the entire series and, and this is a first viewing for you. But I guess because I did watch it so fast, there are things that I don't remember. That's not one of them. I do remember. So okay. I'll just. Uh, uh, I hate when you say things like that. All right. All right. Anything else you want to <laughs> well, say? Uh, well, but, well, then just the whole idea of like, how, how does how does it work? How, how does the director know what's happening? Because if you think about like what's going on in that room when uh, the director starts sending people 
you know, like sending travelers into Gleason's men. How, how does she know what, or he or she, how does the director know, you know, who and when? Because there's, it's, it's not like there's any witnesses there, right? Right. And it's a big explosion. So we assume that even if there was some kind of camera, it would be destroyed. So how does the director know when to send people and where? You know, it's, I do, it's I don't just, know. it's, it's crazy. I just, yeah. this whole future to me is just fascinating. So, right. And how do you know when to send a kidogram? Right. Instead of a yeah. blown adult. That's what I'm saying. No kidograms this week. And to where? Right. Yeah. No kidograms. That's right. Um, so it's just, it's, it's crazy. It is crazy indeed. So. All right. Well, I guess that's going to do it for this one. Uh, you know, I think we both feel the same way. It's almost as soon as we're done recording the podcast, it's like, all right, what time is it? Can I go watch the next episode? (laughs) And and I know for me, it's a little late and I don't know what else you've got on the DVR, but, uh, uh, I guess I'll have to wait till tomorrow. I was just going to go to sleep, but after talking to you today, I think I might have to watch humans tonight. So, Oh, sounds good. It's a two hour one. Yeah, I know. It was last week too. Yeah. So, All right. Well, all that aside, we want to thank you guys for joining us tonight. Love to hear from you with follow-ups about any of the Librarians episodes that are looming in the background in the past, but will return. Travelers episodes we've been talking about. Anything else you think we should be watching? Encourage you to join the Facebook group. If you're already a member, spread the word. Feel free to post whatever you want, as long as it's even tangentially genre television related, or film for that matter. Uh, Emails to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com voicemails via SpeakPipe, which you can access through the website. We'll be back next week to discuss Season 1, Episode 7 of Travelers, titled Protocol 5. But until then... Dave, I don't know if I've ever told you about my uh, brief career as a bank robber, but you know, it just really didn't last very long because the only guy I got there couldn't break into his own lunchbox. <laughs> <laughs>